Oh, hey, thanks so much for joining me on the Cocktie Podcast. I'm your host, Gary. In case you're new to the show, I'm the editor and shoeshine guy at fortnerd.com. So, in case you need a story or a shine, I'm your guy for both. You may have seen me as the DM on Quest for the Cure or on Icehole's Rime of the Frostmaiden, as Cicero on Cyberpunk Independence, or sailing on the SS Failboat over on Talon and Claw. I took last week off because, as you may know, I was busy all weekend with Talon and Claw TwitchCon raising money for suicide awareness and prevention with so many amazing folks. Thanks to the generosity of the community and our players, we raised $3,001.01. More than $3,000 for one weekend. It was incredible. We met so many new people and had so many laughs. We had so much fun. In case you missed it, you can catch many of the highlights over at twitch.tv slash talonnclaw. I'll include the link in the show notes. I produced all of the RPG games and for the most part kept the trains running on time. I also, perhaps a bit too gleefully, shared all of the accent requests with the cast behind the scenes. You see, for $20 you could pick a cast member and for 5 minutes they'd try and do an accent of your choice. Michael Sinclair II really loved doing his Christopher Walken impression. You can just tell. And I tried to help Allie with her Russian, but that was just impossible. We had some incredible guests, including Fenway Jones, who is the charity's founder, who started it all when she lost two friends to suicide in under a year. And all of the Ice Holes players in games over the weekend, and the Failbow crew did one too. The Cyberpunk Independence team, heavily leading on their plot armor, got in a few scrapes too during a very intense prequel episode. It's weekends like this that remind you how fortunate we are to be members of this community that is generally so uplifting and kind, and always up for a good time because this weekend was a blast. We learned a lot, and of course if we do it again we'll make some tweaks, but for the most part, the event went off without a hitch, and our viewers really enjoyed what we were presenting to them. Last week I gave you a bonus episode that included my first impressions of Candlekeep Mysteries, and I'd like to go a bit deeper into that book today instead of doing an interview because I think it's worth it. Last week's episode included a bonus episode that was spoiler-free. This week we're going to go out a bit deeper into the book, and there will be spoilers. So if you've made it this far and want to avoid some spoilers, you can safely duck out now. But if you're curious about Candlekeep Mysteries and my thoughts, keep listening. Are you still there? Okay, well, if you're still there, it's because you want to chat about Candlekeep Mysteries and hear more about the book. If not, now's the time to hit stop. Okay, if you're still here, I know you want to talk to me about Candlekeep Mysteries. First, what is it? If you don't know, it's a 17 adventure anthology book. So it's closer to Yawning Portal or Ghosts of Saltmarsh than Rhyme of the Frostmaiden or Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. What's different about this book is that Rizzard recruited a handful of amazing freelancers from the community at large to produce the adventures, which is great because it provides a series of unique and fun missions that are very different than the ones we usually see. It's not that what we usually see is bad, it's just that it's in a very particular voice, and the voices in this book are vibrant and different. I'm really excited to share my thoughts. First of all, before we go too deep into the content of the book, who should buy it? Well, if you're a completionist, you should certainly want the alternate cover. As I've said in many different places, the Candlekeep cover is beautiful, with its silky texture and embossed gold foil detailing. It's my favorite alternate cover by far. If you're a DM or a player who's likely to DM in the future, Candlekeep is a really good book for you for a few reasons. While Candlekeep 
and the adventures contained within are set in the Forgotten Realms, they're very portable. With a little bit of reflavoring, you can make them fit in Greyhawk, Exandria, or your own homebrew world. There's something for everyone in Candlekeep, and I think the variety will make for an enjoyable experience, whether you run it cover to cover or cherry pick your favorite adventures. Where Candlekeep shines is as a bridge resource. What do I mean by bridge resource? Well, did your session end a bit earlier than you expected because your players skipped an encounter you'd planned them to participate in? Or maybe you didn't prep as much as you wanted and your players overlap the storyline you're ready for? You can easily pull one of these adventures out and use it to fill in where your own story's short. Or if your campaign ends and you need a plausible way to get from one place to another quickly without seeming to use deus ex machina or hand waving, this is the book for you. Oh, they find a book, they're sucked into a portal, what a fantastic world. It's really good for those situations. If you're playing a particularly scholarly or bookish party, you could easily run the book cover to cover from level 1 to 17, but it's not intended for that I don't think and you need to build in some unifying elements. I think it's a good resource to have on your shelf as a DM. If you're exclusively a player with little to no DMing in your future, it may not offer the best bang for your buck. There are a lot of cool magic items in here which you can prod your DM into giving you. The Watchful Helm is definitely one of my favorites. Or take a look at the Gripply, which is a frog-like humanoid race. It's really an adventure book that's geared more toward DMs than players. Every adventure in Candlekeep starts with a book. And that book leads to adventure. It gives you as a DM some hooks to play with as well. For example, in The Joy of Extra Dimensional Spaces, you could take the offered plot hook of finding the sage Matrius, but it could be as simple as stumbling upon the book while researching the creation of permanent magical effects, or about demiplanes, or pocket dimensions, or something like that. Or create your own hook. The adventures are not particularly long, from about 8 to 15 pages, but there's one for each level from 1 to 16. For first level characters, it's The Joy of Extra Dimensional Spaces by Michael Polkinghorne. The book, The Joy of Extra Dimensional Spaces, was found in the library of the mage Fistandia who bequeathed the library to Candlekeep upon her timely disappearance. The exterior of the book boasts an impressive impression of a mordant Canaan. Characters are teleported to Fistandia's home away from home, a magnificent mansion spell that was made permanent by Fistandia's own impressive magical enhancements. The characters will explore the mansion and maybe even get into a fight with some ornery books and other equipment as they explore it looking for answers and possible treasure. Since it's not clear how they can exit the mansion, it's a fun puzzle that they'll need to solve. If you're looking for some wacky and fun encounters and a bit of exploration and mystery, the joy of extra-dimensional spaces is really enjoyable. The next adventure is Mazfroth's Mighty Digressions by Alison Huang. Yalerian High Scroll, a scholar, purchased the book from Baldur's Gate and donated it to Candlekeep. They could happen upon the book by researching magic in the weave, lycanthropy and its origins, or demon lords of the abyss. Not much is known about Masfroth, but in the book he rambles on long-winded tangents about subjects as diverse as divinity, the multiverse, and the nature of magic. The twist here? The book is a Ging Watson and it attacks the PCs. Rolling initiative after opening a book could be hilariously fun with the right group. With some helpful tips from the denizen of Candlekeep, it's a road trip adventure to Baldur's Gate, because all good stories involve some sort of road trip. Some investigation through the market stalls reveals a gang of jackalwares are hoarding books and selling fakes to make money to revive their Lamia leader, Nadalia. If the PCs play it right, they might find some impressive allies. Or enemies. There's some exploration, and some combat, and a lot of potential role-playing opportunities, depending on your party. 
Chris Perkins wrote Book of the Raven because you knew he had to write something. Would you be surprised to learn that the book was delivered to the library by a raven? Hooks for this adventure include researching the Vistani and other planar travelers, or other possible routes into or out of the Shadowfell. But if you want to be really cool, you could have a raven just deliver the book to the players directly. It's a first-hand account of an author who is rescued by kind Vistani travelers and nursed back to health. It provides a detailed accounting of the Vistani way of life, and the adventure lies in the map that's tucked between the pages. Leading to a chalet that's used by the Scarlet Sash, which is a group of were-ravens, yes, were-ravens, operates from. You also learn that a group of were-ravens is called the Kindness, which is kind of nice. Characters will meet the group and potentially, potentially become a member themselves, if the Kindness finds them worthy, and they're into that lycanthropy jazz. It's a dark adventure with some elements of horror and cult, and if they're studious, the characters may find their way through to the Shadowfell via an open grave. It's more focused on exploration and combat, though given the theme, they might just find some undead lurking about. A Deep and Creeping Darkness is written by Sarah Manson. The book was delivered to Candlekeep by adventurers as their passage into the Citadel. It was given to them by a grateful villager who alleged that her grandfather had written it himself. It discussed the village of Vermilion and its gradual demise by a slow and unknown means. Following an accident in a platinum mine, villagers began disappearing. You could find your players here because they got a contract from a mining outfit to find out what happened in this town, or by searching local legends and lore. As they enter the village, if they sleep, they'll be befitted with nightmares. Something foul is afoot in Vermilion, and it's up to the players to determine what. They'll find a corrupted mare in his mansion, and eventually explore the mine that's causing all the trouble. There's a lot to see in Vermilion, and there's some combat too. There are stakes as well, as noted in the adventure, because if the monsters aren't dealt with, they'll threaten other nearby towns as well. The final combat is interesting and tactically enjoyable. I really liked reading it, so if your players enjoy a challenging combat, they should enjoy this one. Shemshine's Bedtime Rhyme is by Ari Levich. It's made its way to Candlekeep via a rare book dealer who arrived and was promptly placed in isolation due to singing madness. There are no further mentions of the book dealer in the archives other than this. The adventure begins with the characters waking up with a tune in their heads. One they can't stop humming. Eventually they'll realize that the tune has spread. They're quarantined in Candlekeep's cellar to keep the illness from spreading throughout the library. Creepy things begin happening as the library attendants who stay with them begin succumbing to the song, and some even try and break their quarantine and escape. Eventually the characters will be attacked and used against one another if the foul Shemshime has its way. The mystery is revealed once the characters find the final stanza of Shemshime's rhyme. The final combat isn't so much of a combat, but rather a tactical scenario whereby the villain can be stopped with some clever tactics the players must figure out from the rhyme. If your players are easily frustrated by non-linear adventures, puzzles, things of this nature, this one may not be for them. But if they like a little outside-of-the-box fun, Shemshime's rhyme will be a blast. The Price of Beauty is by Mark Sherlock Holmes. 
It's filled with beautiful depictions of art, jewelry, and woodland scenes, as well as prayers for meditation and self-healing. The book gives off the scent of fresh lilies. It leads to a portal and the serene temple of the restful lily, but not all is what it seems, as a coven of hags has taken over the restful lily and tricks its guests into unfavorable deals, preying on their insecurities. But the deals are enticing. An ability enhancement, a boost of plus two to a stat, a physical transformation even to a different race, or everlasting youth. The temple is littered with the discarded people who've entered into these dark deals and other guests waiting to pull prey to them. There are some fun encounters which include performing a workout like some high-intensity Zumba which I quite enjoyed. The players can unravel the mystery and help those affected lift their curses, but it also offers some really interesting opportunities for extended relationships. Do the people that the players have saved become allies in your campaign, or does the temple become a respite for them in times of trouble? Of course, that's up to you, but... Sarah of Yellowcrest Manor is by Derek Ruiz. It's a mystery centered around a murder in Waterdeep. A ghost seeks them out. How or why is up to you. The apparition wears a uniform, a symbol of a famous Waterdavian family. The book, it turns out, is a journal, a first-hand account of Sarah. The entries gradually change in tone to something darker and fearful. With a bit of work, changing the name and location, really, it's easy to port this to somewhere else using your own world as the template. This one is a story as old as time. Man wants power, contacts a great old one, murders his family and servants, and moves to a town to start afresh. There's some room for exploration and roleplay in Sarah of Yellowcrest Manor, but the hook is engaging. A forlorn ghost who needs justice. Can the heroes break the cult and put Sarah to a rightful rest? I really appreciated some of the story elements here, and there are lovely seeds that you can plant and build in future adventures. In my initial pass, I honestly didn't really notice Sarah of Yellowcrest Manor, but it's wonderful, and in hindsight, it may actually be my favorite. Lore of LaRue is by Kelly Lynn D'Angelo. Now, it's one of the two adventures I really liked during my initial pass. It's a whimsical tale that takes the players back into history. It's a, it's a fairy tale, one that the characters get to live. I love the buildup of this adventure. It's wonderful and immersive. There's exploration and roleplay and combat and some very clever encounters that I enjoyed. But as I intimated in my bonus episode a couple weeks ago, I didn't love the ending. It's a story, so it's already happened. It feels like a real deus ex machina at the end, where no matter what the characters do, the Kiru comes in and saves the day, whether it's by saving them from a possible TPK, or by resurrecting a dead and corrupted avatar, it, it sort of ends the same way, with victory, whether the players were there or not. I don't love that, but I do love the adventure overall, even if I'm not appreciative of that element of the ending. Candlekeep Deconstruction is by Amy Vorpal. Now, to be clear, the writer of Candlekeep Deconstruction hated the letter C as a hard consonant, so Candlekeep is spelled with a K, and Deconstruction is spelled with two Ks. It's clever. A dwarf is carrying a book. That's how the adventure starts. But it's so heavy, he dies under its weight, and no magical power can return him to life. It turns out that there's a mysterious tower in Candlekeep, and for reasons nobody's quite sure of, it's fallen into disrepair, and nobody has made any effort to fix it. Well, it turns out that's because this tower is a rocket ship and can be launched into space. That's right. It's like something out of Pinky and the Brain. The villain plans to load it with the most valuable tomes and launch it into space. If that doesn't pique your interest, nothing will. 
Zikran's Zephyrian tome was written by Taimur Raymond. Some hooks for this alliterative tome include research on the denizens of the inner planes, extraplanar travel, or magic fortresses. Once the tome is opened, it's revealed that it's containing a djinn named Gazre Azam. He beseeches the characters for his aid. He can only be released if the wizard that imprisoned him releases the spell or is killed. It is a weighty request, but he'll offer the characters a free casting of the wish spell to lubricate their moral compass, if you will. There's some very archetypal roleplay moments, including one with a bronze dragon who's taken over the villain's former lair. It could turn into a fight, if they wanted, or it could turn into a negotiation. You then climb high into the cloud peaks and confront the evil spellcaster. And then, what do you do with your wish? That is, if they survive that confrontation. There's some really engaging character moments as well, with a cloud giant ghost in a bedroom, sitting at a desk, seemingly writing a letter to a lost love, doomed forever to continue that farewell. The characters don't even need to fight it unless they want to. It's little character moments like that I really appreciated in this adventure. The Curious Tale of Westeria Vale is by Kiana Shaw. It's the script of a play that tells the story of a heroic bard and his downfall into evil. The players can be hired on a quest and are being paid handsomely if they discover the book. Alternatively, they could stumble upon it if they've been granted access to the inner ward. The adventure and book lead the heroes into a demiplane, which is actually a prison. It was holding the protagonist of the play in seclusion as the Harpers, which is a noble network of good-aligned spies, sought to end a corruption that had befallen him. But in the demiplane, all is not right, because it turns out he's been attending to a very important guest, a beholder who dreamed himself there. And the bard invites everyone to meet this new beholder to allay their fears about what it may mean for the demiplane. Well, it turns out that the beholder has imprisoned the protagonist, so is the beholder all along. Will they save the protagonist, and if they can, will he trust them to save the day? Or will the beholder win? I know what Xanathar is cheering for. This adventure could begin with the circulation of a rumor of an ancient tome that contains martial arts techniques that are associated with immortality. Alternatively, characters could just stumble upon the Book of Inner Alchemy while exploring the nature of key and its uses in hand-to-hand combat, or legends pertaining to immortality in general, monastic traditions, etc., etc. What they learn when they stumble upon this book is that some of the pages have been expertly removed, and therein lies the quest. The avowed, which are the keeper of keepers of Candlekeep's vast library, want the desecrator found and the missing pages returned. The players will need to confront the Order of the Immortal, Lo- Immortal Lotus in their Cloakwood Sanctuary. An investigation ensues, and possibly some combat against evil monks? The adventure also cleverly gives you, the DM, some seeds as to where further adventures may lead, some lingering plot hooks that you might want to connect to in your campaign. It also introduces a new and very powerful magic item, a set of gloves that enhances constitution and unarmed strike damage. The gloves of soul-catching are quite powerful and are consequently of legendary rarity, but monks really do need a bit of love when it comes to magic items, so I really approve of the inclusion of this item. The Canopic Being is written by Jennifer Kretschmer. It details a ritual that allows a mummy lord to transplant its organs into a living host, hence the name, Canopic Being. In ancient Egypt, the Canopic Jars housed the mummy's internal organs, so I'm assuming it's a play on that. It also includes the names of all of the recipients, and the names of your characters are on it. 
If that's not a hook, who knows what is? The players will need to forge a path to Talshuda, and eventually to the tomb itself. There's some elements of combat and exploration in this one, and if you love Egyptian theming, it should be right up your alley. There's some fun plot threads to follow up on too. The characters will need to make some difficult choices, and they will determine the future. Will the mummy rise up and attack them again? Or will it be destroyed for good? I really like the new magic item that was included in this one too, the Watchful Helm. It's really clever and it's one I look forward to including in one of my campaigns in the near future. The Scrivener's Tale is written by Brandis Stoddard. An evil arch fay is bound within a book, and when the characters run afoul of his magic, they must defeat the arch fay before they succumb to her power. They'll be touched by great inspiration, and each will receive a benefit in the drawback, and the drawbacks are clearly insidious. There's room in this one for a lot of roleplaying and some combat too if it tickles you. The module even gives you some suggestions on what creatures may serve the villain so you could add them into your game, and of course if you're running a homebrew, you can here apply some character, some creatures that your characters may have seen in the past. There's also a very cool combat just before the end, where guardians emerge with mummy allies, mummy allies, and the players need to survive the onslaught to progress any further. I like the idea of waves of combat and needing to save resources before progressing. It's very interesting, and I enjoyed that a lot. There's also a very intense battle with the Archfey and her lair, and it is nasty, particularly given some of the drawbacks the players may have, and given the onslaught that they had to fight to get there to begin with. Alcazar's appendix is written by Adam Lee. The characters begin by reading the appendix and discover a picture portal, which will teleport any willing creature to where a golem waits. The golem was affiliated with Alcazar, as the players will learn, and will help players set on their quest of finding a powerful nether scroll, which he himself was seeking, and perhaps find clues into the location of where he now rests. There's some interesting role-playing opportunities in this one. The golem can interact with the PCs but cannot speak, and they need its help to progress forward. This experience can be simple or complex depending on your preference and players. The hot sun beating down on them, reflected by the sand of the Anorak Desert, trying to convince a silent stone golem to help them, seems like a great way to spend an afternoon to me. Now there are puzzles in this one. They aren't difficult, but they may require a little help, unless accompanied by a generous NPC. If your party isn't into puzzles, you could either include the NPC if they were able to get that NPC's help at the beginning of the adventure, or give them a lot of clues to help them along. They aren't super challenging, but they are there. This adventure, like the canopic being, has some intense combat moments, and there is a major challenge waiting for a party, a Dracolich in its lair. This one is going to be a doozy. Zathoria was written by Tony Winslow Brill. Not unlike our world, a plague is ravaging the Sword Coast, and this one targets not only beasts and humanoids, but crops and stored foodstuffs too. Not even a wish spell can reverse the effects the plague is having on the world. After a brush with madness, the players will delve deep into the Lycortha expanse and encounter some new and unique creatures to battle. It's a fun adventure, particularly if you're playing a druid. It's very exploration heavy, and there are some fun combats too, so I think you might enjoy this one if you're into those two pillars. Candlekeep Mysteries is a wonderful book. And I'm so excited to get it to a table as soon as I can, or honestly, just take some of these ideas and port them into my home games. 
I'll be honest, in case you can't tell, I really enjoyed going through Candlekeep Mysteries. It's a great book and I was really excited to take you through this brief review and let you know what you might expect if you picked it up from each of the adventures. And that's everything for today. I look forward to doing an interview with some amazing folks next week, but for today, I'm your host, Gary. And as always, if the die is cocked, it doesn't count.